Today's reading is taken from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 5.20 and Genesis 3.1-5. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the trees, from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This is the word from the Lord. Thanks, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, if you can keep your Bibles open to Genesis 3, 1 through 5. Um, if you're new, once again, we're going through the Ten Commandments and we're almost done through it. Um, we're at the Ninth Commandment. Uh, but let's pray that God will speak to us this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that as your word is planted into our hearts, it will bear fruit that is pleasing to you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts, to our minds, to our desires and will, and transform us. Plant your word deeply um, that we might bring forth a life that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. The Ninth Commandment, at first, is really about perjury, isn't it? I mean, that's what it says. Do not give false testimony against your neighbor in the court of law. Uh, but as we've seen for each one of these commandments, um, it is about much more. Take, for example, do not kill. Well, it wasn't just about murder, was it? It was about anger. And murder is just the worst form or the worst manifestation of anger. Do not commit adultery. I mean, that wasn't just about adultery. That was about lust. But it, it, adultery is just the worst manifestation, manifestation of lust. You see, do not, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor speaks to one of the worst forms of lying. It's kind of lying that puts the innocent person in jail or sets the criminals free. It's the worst kind of lying, but it really does cover all forms of lying. So many people, as they read the Ten Commandments, summarize the Ninth Commandment as do not lie. You shall not lie. But a lie-free world, well, that only existed just for a very brief moment in history, didn't it? In Genesis 1 and 2, God creates the world, and it's a beautiful world. God's word goes out and creates this world. God's word is trusted and obeyed. But that just lasts in Genesis 1 and 2. In Genesis 3... Genesis 3, chapter 1, the first words of the third chapter are lies. Lies that Satan speaks. Remember this, Satan asked Eve, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Remember, is this what God actually say, uh, say, 
is this what God actually said? No, it's not. God was much more generous than this. His words were, actually, you can eat from any tree in the garden except this one tree, tree of knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat it, you will surely die, he says. That's what he said. But it's not that Satan didn't know what God said, but he's lying. He's twisting God's words to make God look less generous. Did God really say you can't eat from any tree? Really, is he that stingy? That's what he's doing. And after Eve responds, Satan tells another lie, not one that directly contradicts God. He says, of course you can eat the tree, I mean, eat the fruit. You will not certainly die, serpent said to the woman, for God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And remember the first lie just suggested doubt, planted the seed of doubt. But this one completely contradicts God's word. You will not die. You know, the reason why God did this is to keep you down. So because he doesn't want you to be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's the thing. I don't know if you've thought about words in this way, but words are reality, right? Words create reality. It's not just the words to not just represent reality. Words can create reality. And words can create false realities. And that's what uh, Satan is doing. There was only one world, God's world. God's created it through his word. It was trusted and obeyed. It was one world. And yet, now Satan intrudes into this world and introduces a lie, introduces a different kind of world, a world where God is not good. God is stingy. He's unjust. He wants to keep you down. He's not generous. That's the world that Satan introduced, introduced with his lies, and he draws Adam and Eve into that world. And that's why they reach for the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Telling a lie, well, it feels like a small thing, but because it is creation of a whole new world where God is not the ruler, it is an act of rebellion. St. Augustine says, when we tell the truth, we are affirming our creatureliness. We're being humble. Truth is not something that we invent, something that we can put our stamp upon. Truth is something that is received. It is what it is. But when we lie, what we're doing is we're taking God's truth and putting our will, putting our stamp, putting our desire, and twisting it for our selfish ends. That's what we're doing. It's an act of rebellion against God's world and God's truth. In lying, what we're saying is we're not satisfied with the truth that God has given us. We're not satisfied with this world as it is. I'm going to put my stamp over it. I'm going to take control over it. And I'm I'm going to intentionally use these words uh, for my benefit. Remember, that's how Satan enticed Adam and Eve. He didn't say to, to, to Adam and Eve, come and worship me. No, he says, come and worship yourselves. Be like God, knowing good and evil, determining, determining what is good and evil for yourselves, determining what is true and not true for yourselves. And that's what people have been doing since the fall, determining what is true and not true, what is good and evil for themselves. And now we live in a world that is filled with lies. Lies are everywhere around us, aren't there? 
in the advertisement, in our words, in uh, social media, in governments, in our mouths, everywhere. The swirl of lies are all around us. And one way that we know that there's so many lies in this world is that actually we have so many words for it. If you think about the truth, and if you think of, try to uh, come up with synonym for the truth, how many can you come up with? Maybe veracity, correctness, fact, or something like this. But there aren't that many. But think about synonyms for, uh, for lies. Uh, there's an impressive number for them. Deceit, dishonesty, disinformation, distortion, evasion, fabrication, falsehood, forgery, perjury, slander, flattery, Half-truths, defamation, falsification, fib, hyperbole, mendacity, misstatement, prevarication, reviling, subterfuge, etc. There's so many words for lies. You know, people, people say that Eskimos have 50 words for snow because they're so familiar with snow, different kinds of snow. Well, people, we're very familiar with lies, don't we? We lie all the time. There, is, there are lies in us. There are lies that we tell. There are lies that have become part of us. And if lying is an act of rebellion, spreading lies, lies create and spread these rebel worlds, worlds that are not true, worlds that intrude into God's world and breaking it, breaking it apart. Every time we spread lies, we're breaking God's good world apart with these Every time we spread lies through gossip or, you know, that retweet button or share button, you know, unwittingly or willingly, some, we're spreading lies. We're breaking apart God's world. And lies also don't stay as lies. Lies also lead to all kinds of other sins, don't they? Lance Armstrong, he won seven Tour de France, seven unprecedented, but he did it through lying. He took drugs. He repeated his lies all the time. But not only that, I mean, that's bad enough, but he forced, in order to stay there, in order to still live in that world, he forces his uh, teammates to lie for him through intimidation, through threats and violence. That's how he got his way. The lies spread. And lies are important. I mean, lying, Ninth Commandment is important because lying is an essential ingredient in committing other sins. Uh, sixth through Eighth Commandment cannot be done without lies. You can't kill another person without lying. You can't commit adultery without lying. You can't steal without lying. Lying is an essential ingredient that leads to other sins. It makes it possible for people to do bad things. And a lie can break down a society, but breaking down the justice system. And that is, once again, what uh, the Ninth Commandment is originally about. Do not lie. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Because if you bear false witness in the court, in the courts, and the innocent is jailed, or the criminal goes free, well, what happens? Well, people take it to the street. When they see injustice, rampant injustice, we see people going out and creating chaos, vigilantism, and doing other things. Society breaks down. In the end, lies destroy a society because it destroys institutions. I told you that committing adultery is impossible without lying. Well, even if the act of adultery is forgiven, that sense of betrayal stays. 
that sense of mistrust in the marriage stays, don't they? That feeling like I've been betrayed. I've been lied to again and again. I can't trust this person. That's what breaks down a marriage, not just the act of adultery. It's that mistrust that seeps in, that destroys the institution of marriage, and not just marriage, right? The media companies or the justice system, the police or universities, research institutions, science, scientific institutions um, as well, even churches. When churches are filled with lies, the institution, the church breaks down because people don't trust God and his words anymore. And as a result, uh, and the result of all these lies swirling around is devastating because the, the, the biggest result is that we can see the truth. Even when we're confronted with the truth, well, even when we're told what the truth is, we doubt it. We don't trust it anymore. And that, obviously, you know, we've seen it working out in the COVID crisis. When we don't know the truth, it's, it has devastating consequences. When we can't trust the police, it has devastating consequences. Satan has succeeded. He was a father of lies from the very beginning, and he's introduced lies and destroyed the world through his lies. And the biggest way that he succeeded is in the spiritual realm. Is that people can recognize the truth in Jesus. Jesus in John chapter 1, that beautiful pro prologue, the, the climax is John chapter 1 verse 14, where Jesus is described as being full of grace and truth. He will stand up later on in chapter 14 and says, I am the way and the truth and the life. He is the truth speaking to people. And what do, how do people respond? They don't recognize him. They think he's lying. They accuse him of being, uh, 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 being uh, from Satan. Even as the truth speaks to them. And so Jesus then says this about people who reject him. You belong to the father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding on to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and father of lies. He lies, and he's filled this world with lies. And people, we have imbibed his lies. We're surrounded by his lies that we can't tell what the truth is anymore, even as the truth Jesus speaks to us. And here's the good news then. Church, if you recognize who Jesus is, if you hear his voice and you have responded rightly, it is because God has been gracious to you. God has done this miracle of opening your eyes and drawing you to himself, to the one who is full of grace and truth. And you are reborn. Now you are a people of the truth. People who can see the truth. People who value the truth. People who spread the truth to others. Coming to Jesus means, as St. Paul says, it means putting away falsehood and speaking truthfully to our neighbors. The native language of Satan is lying. The native language of Christians should be truthful speech. We ought to be uh, truthful in our speech. We ought to have our yes be yes and no be no. We ought to pursue truth. Uh, Ninth Commandment uh, is talked about in many, many different places. Heidelberg Catechism is one place where you can go to. This is uh, Heidelberg uh, Catechism is the, uh, the confession of faith in some ways of the Reformed um, tradition. 
and it speaks to our obedience um, to Ninth Commandment in these terms. There's one, God's will is that I never give false testimony against anyone. Two, I twist no one's words. Three, I do not gossip or slander. Four, I do not join in, the con in condemning anyone without hearing uh, or without a just cause. Five, rather in courts and everywhere else, I should avoid lying and deceit of every kind. Six, that I should love truth. Seven, I should speak truth candidly. Eight, I should openly acknowledge the truth. Nine, I should do what I can to guard and advance my neighbor's good name. In this world, because Satan rules, because Satan's lies are all around us, in many ways because we've internalized those lies, there is pressure to speak lies internally and externally. In business, when profit is on the line, isn't there pressure to lie, to make this product or whatever look a little better than it actually is? We are to speak truthfully and deal honestly in business setting. If we're scholars, we must be careful with our citation and our criticisms. We must be honest with these things. Doctors are to speak truthfully to the patients, lovingly. Journalists are called to get the story right. And each of us must love truth and think about it before we share it with others. When we hear something, we don't just pass it on. If we, there is a lingering doubt that this might not be true, we must search out the truth before we share it with other people. Don't make promises. Let's not make promises that we do not intend to fulfill. Refrain from spread, spreading gossip. Watch out for flattery. Flattery sounds um, harmless. But actually, it, it, it introduces mistrust of your words. Have you seen that uh, Seinfeld episode where this, I mean, this, everybody agrees that this baby looks terrible. <laughs> but this person calls it gorgeous, gorgeous. And then Elaine, who's really happy that she was call, called gorgeous by this person, when she hears the word gorgeous being applied to this baby, she goes, what is this? <laughs> You can't trust the words anymore. Flattery does that. Exaggeration does that. Watch out for how we use our words. Because when we speak truthfully about God, the world, and each other, we are remaking the world. We're re, um, putting the world that's broken back together as one under the lordship of Jesus who is full of grace and truth. Where do you need to repent of how you've used words? How can you use words more honestly? You might be asking though, but aren't there times when we have to lie or it is better to lie? What about a joke? What about, what, what about a joke? Can I tell a joke, uh, a lie, a white lie as part of a story that I'm telling? Uh, I agree with uh, a scholar named uh, Dr. Phil Reichen who says that jokes do not violate the Ninth Amendment because there's no intention to deceive. When you tell a joke, you're telling a lie, but there's no intention to deceive. And, and it, at the end, it's all revealed as a joke anyway. So it's okay to lie in that uh, sense. But how, do, how about a lie not told for selfish reasons or selfish gain, but for selfless reasons? I'm sure you can think of some you know, our second daughter, uh, second child, Corey, is named after Corey Ten Boom, who hid many Jewish people in her house and who had to lie uh, to the authorities. 
If you read her biography, uh, Hiding Place, she wonders out loud there whether she's doing the same, uh, she's doing the right thing. She has this ethical dilemma in her mind. Or I'd, I've known some people who withhold uh, or maybe even lie directly to their grandparents or uh, parents uh, because they're afraid of how this truth might hurt them. Well, the Bible, actually, there are times in the Bible where people in the Bible seem to lie, but they're not condemned for lying. For example, uh, Shifra and Pua disobey Pharaoh's order in Exodus to kill Jewish boys, right? They disobey the order and they lie about why they didn't do it. Rahab hides Jewish spies in times of war and directs the people who are pursuing them uh, in the other direction. David pretends to be crazy in order to save his life and uh, the lives of his men. In all these circumstances, the Bible doesn't seem to condemn their lies, which of course, which, uh, the, which doesn't mean though that those lies were good, <laughs> that lies in and of themselves were good, right? In and of themselves any lie is not good. It's just that we live in this broken world where sometimes the choice is between evil and very evil, between a lie and a murder. And in circumstances like that, God understands that we live in this broken world. But even when we tell lies like this, we know it's not good in the end, right? Because it introduces mistrust, doubt, the integrity of our words whenever we lie, even if we lie for a good reason. And let's face it, most of the times when we lie, we're not in some impossible ethical dilemma, are we? Well, most of the times when we lie, we lie because of our sinfulness, because of the idols in our hearts. We lie to make ourselves look better than others in the eyes of others. We lie because we want to get something through lying for some unjust gain. We lie to avoid shame or to evade responsibility. That's why we lie most of the times. But then how can we tell the truth in these circumstances when the external and internal pressure to lie is very real? Church, if you have the Bible with you, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, sorry, I should have put it on in the, in the um, slides, but um, this is Matthew chapter 12, verses 33. I want to read a couple of verses there. Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 to 35. Make a good tree, and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything that is good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in him. How can you who are evil say anything good, he says. If your heart is full of lies... If you hear lies, and if you have internalized lies, you will lie. You will do that. But in order to have the strength to tell the truth, we must fill our hearts with God's truth. God's word spoken to us. We can only have the strength to tell truth when our hearts are full of it, when we are shaped by God's truth. Yeah. 
we might not fall into the temptation of making more money, um, more money through lies, only when we are shaped by the truth that actually God is our Father, that He is good, that He will take care of us, that He does not, He tells us not uh, not to worry about what we will eat and wear tomorrow. We might not lie to take some control over some situation um, in the way that we see fit. If only we're shaped by the truth that Jesus reigns supreme, that Jesus is sovereign, that he is in control. And he's the one who can bring, who brought the, the, from the most evil situation, the greatest good. Only when we tell that truth to ourselves, we can let go of control over the situation and tell um, others the truth. We might even admit our faults and not, not lie to avoid shame or evade responsibility only when we tell the truth to ourselves that it's okay to be shamed in this world because what God thinks of me right now today is the most important thing will be the people of truth in this world when we know, when we're shaped by the truth that this world is passing away, that the new world is coming one that is glorious and one that is weighty. We might even admit to others that we're liars, that we lie to ourselves and we lie to others only when we know that we're forgiven, only if we're shaped by the truth, that we're still loved beyond our imagination. Friends, we need to speak God's truth to our hearts. And when we are filled with that truth, we will be the people of the truth. <laughs> Using our speech to bring glory and praise to him. Let's pray. Lord, we... As we look at the world that is filled with lies, Lord, forgive us for taking in those lies, uh, to internalizing those lies, to think that lying is uh, the, the way to uh, get somewhere uh, in this world. Lord, forgive us. And Lord, would you speak your true words to us, to our hearts and to our minds that our hearts will be filled with your truth, that we might be people of your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.